by now. I'm talking about Chi-Town. and taking it out of the air. Lord Stanley's new address is sweet home Chicago. The Chicago Blackhawks have won the Stanley Cup. Maybe we could start again. All right, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Second City Show. I'm Patrick Flowers, and I am not your sole host anymore. I'm joined here today by David Wildman. Friend of the show, now co-host here on the Second City Show. Uh, that's right, the White Sox haven't been the only busy ones this holiday season <laughs> in acquiring talent. Dave, what's going on, man? Doing good, Pat. You know, uh, with the with the Sox being so active, um, felt like I might need a, a little a little weekly outlet in order to to talk about them because things are starting to look pretty exciting. It's definitely the perfect time to to create that outlet and and have a weekly. Uh, venting session at the minimum about the White Sox. Um, the holiday season was fantastic. Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays to everyone listening, by the way. I hope everyone enjoyed their holiday and got everything they wanted. Uh, the White Sox fans certainly did. Edwin Encarnacion reported one-year $12 million deal with the 2021 club option for $12 million, uh, announced by Jeff Passan and multiple national reporters on Christmas Eve. Uh, Edwin becomes the fifth acquisition by the White Sox this winter, making them actual realistic contenders for the American League Central in 2020. Dave, what are your thoughts on the Encarnacion signing? You know, I, I love it. Um, every signing that Han has made this offseason really doesn't lock us into anything too far into the future. Um, you know, looking at what's happening across town, we're not going to end up in that situation in two or three years. Um I love Encarnacion, um, one of the most consistent home run hitters of the past decade. Um, if you look at, you know, sort of his aging trend, there is none. You know, the dude, you know, 30, 34 more home runs every year since 2012. Um, you know, Sox fans are, are well aware of the effect that Nelson Cruz had on that Twins lineup last year. And I think this is going to be that kind of addition. And, and when you look at what Cruz did the years leading up to signing with Minnesota, um, and he's actually about two or three years older than, than Edwin, um, you know, sort of the same trend. So I don't see any reason why Encarnacion can't be uh, that kind of you know, impact bat who just slides into the four or five spot and hits 35 homers this year, especially in a park like ours. I'm, I'm super excited about it. Yeah, definitely. I think Encarnacion solidifies that designated hitter position. I mean, <clears throat> we were speaking uh, previous to the, to the Edwin signing uh, that, you know, we were, we were going to be able to, or the White Sox were going to be able to mix and match a combination of Grandal, McCann, Mazzara, maybe even Zach Collins into that designated hitter role. It was really just a, a, a melting pot of, of guys out of position or, you know, not being an everyday position player. But the, the signing of Encarnacion gives you a legitimate everyday designated hitter. That's exciting. It just solidifies the, the lineup. And it, it, I think for me, it just removes question marks 
And like you said, like the Nelson Cruz signing with the Twins last year, it adds instant power to that lineup. I mean, his a ability that sorely needed it. Sorely needed power. I think the designated hitter spot last year for the White Sox produced 15 home runs and an OPS uh, in the sixes, which is among the worst in baseball. We talked about how right field was a, was also a, you know lacking any sort of offensive production <laughs> last year. I think that was uh, what a five a sub six OPS plus in there. A way of putting it. Uh, and yeah, and so you know, we we hope that the Mazzara acquisition and and in uh, you know maybe even a potential acquisition of Yasiel Puig or, or Castellanos, who you know as recently as uh, the evening of Christmas Day, uh, both were still rumored to be on the White Sox radar. Um, right field's filled, and now DH is filled, but in in a, a legitimate fashion, and you create depth. And like you said, the best part is. It, there's no long-term ramification here. If if Encarnacion uh, sucks this year, if age finally catches up with him, whatever, he's gone after this year. It's no big yeah, deal. It's twelve million if, bucks. If he's awesome, we've got that one-year option, which I love too. Um, you know, they sort of snuck that in there, but I really do think that. You know, just I'm looking at at Cruz's, you know, age 36, 37, 38 season. um, And that's what we're going to have Encarnacion for. And, you know, guys like these don't dip. You know, they're they're not Adam Dunn. They're not um, Adam LaRoche. You know, these are rock solid established home run hitters. And. You know, I have all the confidence in the world that Encarnacion's going to be good for, you know, 70 home runs over the next two years. Um, and I love that. And I think that, you know, we we vented a little bit on the, the past few episodes. Everyone was frustrated with winter meetings. But, you know, you got to be honest between Gonzalez and Keuchel and Encarnacion. I mean, these are all low-risk, high-reward signings. You know, they're, they're perfect. Um, Grandall was another great signing. And, I mean, this is now one of, you know, assuming that Jimenez takes a step, that Moncada repeats last year, which there's no reason in the world to think he won't, even with a little bit of regression from Anderson. I mean, you're still talking about a top five lineup in the American League. Yeah, I mean – Without a doubt, I don't. I think Tim Anderson sees some regression in the batting average. You know, I don't think he hits what was it, three thirty five, three thirty four, three thirty five again. Um, With an insane batting average on balls in play. Right. I think the BABIP effect, you know, comes to, he, he comes to earth a little bit there. But I also think Tim Anderson has the potential to hit for more power than we've seen. Uh, so I think if we're, if we have a trade off. Uh, for some pop for, you know, at, at the expense of some average, you know, the batting average numbers, I'm, I'm cool with that. And this this lineup now just became, like you said, a top five offense, you know. But, of course, things have to shake out right. You know, we can we can open up camp and see guys get hurt and, you know, that, that'll screw things up. If, ever, if everybody's healthy, if what we have on paper right now comes to fruition March 26th, against Kansas City in what will probably be a snowstorm. Yeah. Uh, a mixture of snowflakes and home runs flying through the snowflakes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be... following historical trends, it'll, it'll rain and we'll get to drink for two hours and then get kicked out of the park. <laughs> yeah. I, 
I was at uh, opening day, geez, I want to say 2016 uh, or 17. It was the it was the opening day where Chance the Rapper threw out the first pitch. Mm-hmm. It was it was snowing while he was doing his little dance by the mound, <laughs> and that was that type of thing. And you know that <laughs> we were out there and it was sunny out it was gorgeous you know it wasn't that warm but it was it was decent and then it got dark and then it rained and then it got really cold and then it ended in a mini blizzard and by the fourth inning um the indians i believe it was the indians were kicking our ass and uh, we were out of there you know my my favorite opening day must have been 20 probably the year after that 2017 um, and a buddy of mine, a buddy and me, made the decision to trek up from Illinois State. So, you know, we were looking at the maps all day, looking at the radars, and we said they're going to get this game in. Um, so we trek it two hours up to Guaranteed Rate Field and sit there in the upper deck in the rain for literally two hours. <laughs> and then like, yep, we're canceling the game. So trek oh, it back home. Oh, yeah. That was that sucked. There were, there were people who were very mad about that. That was against Detroit, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was not good. And then the next day, they when they made up, the upper deck was closed. I think it was all ice up there. Oh yeah. Oh man, opening days are, are good times. Wouldn't you know? I'm the idiot sitting here with my opening day tickets already. Hey, I, I opening day this past year was very enjoyable. I mean, I got to the lot when they opened, and so maybe nine thirty, ten o'clock, and. It, it was chilly out, but I had a hoodie and a winter hat on. I wasn't overly layered, and, and I was, I was as the day went on, it got gradually more comfortable. And the sun actually, you know, by the seventh, sixth or seventh inning, the sun was out. It was, it was a very enjoyable home opener for the Sox this year. So, well, let's hope we get that because, like you said, this lineup is going to hit a lot of home runs. A lot of home runs. going to be a lot of fun. I mean, you think, think okay, let's pencil in uh, – let me actually grab it as I say. Let's pencil in uh, Encarnacion for, let's be modest and say 30 bombs. Okay. okay. Give me, what do you want from Mankata? 25? Yeah, that's the number I was going to give. Eloy? Given I'd a, go 30 for Eloy. Given a full season, I I, I think 30 is being, uh, being modest hey, as well. That's fine. Uh, Abreu? 20, 27. Uh, we're going to go even numbers. We'll put him at 25. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Timmy. 20. Grandal. 20. Uh, Mazzara. I would give the right field posi- position uh, okay. collective 25 home runs this year. I want to talk about that later. Okay, who am I forgetting here? Um, center field, Luis Robert. And whoever the center field position, so whoever starts out in center field, if we don't see Robert on the Monday roster, but we have to assume that this the majority of the year will be Luis Roberts' year. Um, you know, I think Luis Roberts going to have a bit of a transition phase, and you you saw it in the minors. It takes him a little while to sort of unlock his power. So, you know, I'd go like fifteen for Robert, assuming he's up for you know one hundred forty games. That's fair. Um, and then second base, probably gonna, probably going to be the the weakest of the bunch. Yeah, there. that's going to be like, you know, we were so modest at every other position. Let's go aggressive at second and give him ten. Ten, okay, all right, ten home runs. I think that's very 
very reasonable. All right, so let's do it. We're a math podcast now. Hey, you are a DePaul student. I I don't have that educational uh, background, but uh, that's 200 bombs, Dave. Being modest. Yep. Being modest. Yeah. That's 200 home runs out of a team that was one of the worst offensive teams in baseball last year and the, and the years pre, prior to. You know, and I think I saw Josh Nelson tweet out last night that um, some, one of these projections, it might have been Zips or, you know, one of the big ones, had us at like 258 projected. Uh, yeah, and it, because that makes sense because I was just going to say all we really accounted for right now was modest projections for – everyday players we went around the dime the nine everyday spots we're not we're not even taking into account uh you know guys off the bench you know that are playing and so your your days mccann is catching you know we said yeah gets 20 okay now mccann's gonna catch what 40 ball games at least 50 ball games yeah and he's gonna dh a little and bit he's gonna dh a little bit all right so you know pencil in another 10 15 home runs yep. there um you know, and, and Eloy could be a forty guy. Eloy you know, can, not gonna... no, Eloy can absolutely be a forty guy. I was just uh, I put that in my my socks all decade team the other night. It's, the guy missed um, forty thirty nine games, thirty nine potential games to injury, um, and he hit thirty one bombs. If he doesn't miss those games, he's flirting with a forty home run, hundred RBI rookie season. Yep, exactly. And he's only going to be better this year. He's going to have another year under his belt of experience. He's going to know, he's going to, you know, he lit it up at the end of the year last year. He had figured out what they were trying to do to him. Now, of course, the tape has been out all winter and pitchers can, you know, now make their adjustments. And you might see a little bit of a back and forth transitional stage period like you do with most second and third year players. But he seems, he seems like a smart enough guy. And here's another thing that he got going for him this year that he didn't have protection around him. Mm-hmm. You know, the same goes for Abreu. Absolutely, the same goes for Grandal. The same goes for Encarnacion. I mean, what a lineup! An opposing pitcher trying to manipulate and bob and weave through this lineup. What do you do? Two through six in that lineup, you can't do anything to get around them. Yep. Finally, it's going to be you know. So you could see a big year out of Jose, and you know, Moncada took that second year leap, which was obviously massive. So, you know, there's no reason to think Eloy won't, you know, adjust that way either. The tape was out on Moncada right away and right. adjusted. So, you know, I mean, the potential of this lineup is off the charts. You know, and like you said, we were being, you know, a little, a little conservative in our projections just because, you know, not everyone's going to hit 40 home runs and people get hurt or whatever. But, I mean, you know, 250 home runs out of this lineup is not out of the question at all. No, not at all. Which brings me to brings us to the other acquisition that was made since the last time that we recorded because we took last week off, busy preparing for the holiday season and busy around here at the business. Um, but Dallas Keuchel and uh, Gio Gonzalez were both added to the White Sox roster by way of free agency since the last time we recorded. It's been a busy two weeks. For the White Sox, so you take this improved offense, a, a lineup that's going to be a nightmare for opposing teams to navigate, especially when we're playing at home in that launch pad that is guaranteed rate field. Uh, and all we need is our pitching to be good, not great, good. 
and now we've we've created the depth throughout that rotation with the additions of Keuchel and Gonzalez. The the pitching, in my estimation, is good enough to support a, a strong offense like we're seeing. Yeah, I, I think with the lineup we have, um, you know, you just need to put major leaguers out there, and that's something that. The Sox obviously struggled with last year. They've struggled with throughout. But now, you know, you're talking Giolito at the top. Um, and then, you know, behind him, you're just going to have some mix of Keiko, Gonzalez. You know, hopefully Lopez keeps his name in the starting rotation hat. Um, obviously, Kopech coming back. Deese. So, I mean, you're talking about six or seven options for five rotation spots, which and- is... Rodon eventually as well. Exactly. So, you know, they, finally to have more options than not enough. And, you know, <laughs> all major league qualities. Is Gio Gonzalez going to step in and be the Gio Gonzalez of five or six years ago? No. But could he be a rock-solid five until Rodon comes back or until Kopech hits his stride or whatever? Absolutely. Um, I, you know, the like you said, the rotation – does not need to be, you know, the 2011 Phillies, you know, who had Hamels and Holiday and uh, Cliff Lee. Cliff Lee, yeah. You know, they just need to be good enough. And I, I cert, I have more than enough faith that they're good enough. And you look at Keuchel, who, you know, joined the Braves in June of last season. And, you know, once he hit his stride in July and August, you know, he was a 3-5 pitcher. That'll play. I mean, right. that's perfect. Absolutely. I mean, and he had the highest ground ball rate in baseball last year at 61%, and he had the highest amount of vertical drop on his sinker in baseball last year. I mean, those are two things that are key to being successful in our ballpark 81 times a year if you don't have that high heat blow him away type of stuff which he doesn't have so you're going to have one or the other you have to have the you have to have the the high heat you could be able to pitch up in the strike zone and blow your fastball by guys or you need to have the ability to throw ground balls in a consistent fashion i mean lord knows that fly ball pitchers do not fare well in our park no <laughs> no uh, so no you know bringing in a guy like keichel who you know like you said is a big ground ball pitcher and those tend to age better than, you know, we're not bringing in a 35-year-old, you know, fireballer who made his career on his fastball. You know, these are guys that age like fine wine. Um, and, you know, is like we said, Keiko's not going to be the guy that he was back in 2016 or back in 2017. But he'll be a middle-of-the-rotation anchor. And, you know, assuming health, surrounding him with Giolito, Cease, who, you know, I still have faith will take the step that we're expecting. I think Kopech will come back totally fine. Um, you know, and who knows about Lopez? Hopefully Lopez can, can keep himself in the discussion. I have a question for you, though. What's that? What do you think about Carlos Rodon coming back in the Andrew Miller swingman role I'm perfectly fine with it I mean and this is a conversation I've had internally in my head because somebody does go to that role towards the end of the season 
if everybody stays healthy, right? Because you've got seven viable major league starting pitchers on the roster now. Somebody has to go to that role if, they, if, if everybody remains with the club. I think Rodon would be great for that role. I really do. I think from the left-handed side and the way that he throws two different types of sliders and his fastball, I think he would be perfect in that role. Here's my, pro- my, my, my pause is I don't think that he's interested in that role, and I don't think Rodon's the type of guy that's just going to be told, well, too bad, that's what you're doing. You know what I mean? I, he's a Boris client. He's 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 almost um, out of. He's almost at his his service time. I think he's got another year, uh, at, or two at the most. And if he doesn't want to do it, he's not gonna. It, that'll be a problem. I don't know if they want to make waves like that. You know what I mean? If if they go to him and they say, Carlos, what do you think about this idea? And he tells them to pound sand. I think I don't think they press it. You know, I think we're talking about a guy who's not going to be back till what, like July? Yeah. And, you know, I, I think ideally with Rodon, he's never going to be the guy we hope when we drafted him third overall. No. Um, he's not a guy that Scott Boris is going to get 200 million bucks for. Mm-hmm. I think that at this point, with what Rodon's been, he should be happy to have an opportunity to maybe salvage his career because he, I think he's at that crossroads right now. I think we have what, two years of control left. So, you know, I think ideally pie in the sky scenario, he comes in, finishes out the season strong in that swingman role and somebody in the off season takes a chance on him. You know, you say he doesn't want to do it. I don't give a shit. I mean, that's I'm, that's I'm, pure I'm, speculation, obviously. I don't talk to the guy. You know, but I, I want off the road on experience. I, I've I've had enough of him. I don't I know he doesn't factor into our future plans. And, you know, if he comes in and is filthy out of the bullpen for an inning or two a game, like I think he could be, and then we flip him in the off season because people love to overpay for relievers like that. Mm-hmm. Then do it. I totally agree with you, one hundred percent. The entire premise of it, um, and the projectability of, of Rodan and and what he brings to the table when healthy, and how it would play in that type of role versus you know a guy who you expect to go out and get you six innings every fifth day. I'm a hundred percent on board. And if it happens, awesome. I think the whole put him there when he comes back. I mean, they could even they could even sell it like that. Like, you know, hey, it's it's late July, almost August. We're, you know, the rotation it looks like this right now. Let's let's try let, let's just slide you in here. Okay? This is where we can slot you in and get you innings and not over, you know, overload you coming back from, you know, another surgery. Yeah. I mean, do you agree that this guy is in salvage his career mode I totally agree that he's in salvage his career mode because he's never proven um, that he could be healthy and he's never proven that he can be consistent when healthy and like you said the clock is is almost striking midnight on him you know in terms of his chance at his first you know payday uh, on the open market so I I totally think he is but man he's he just strikes me as a cocky guy I don't know and I don't think he's I don't think he uh, he thinks he's there yet. 
Maybe he does yeah. internally. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm yeah. just I'm just spitballing here. I'm no, not... I and I and the reason that I was so quick to go along with that is because you know, and, and obviously we don't want to get too personal, spreading hearsay or whatever. But, right. You know, you and I both speak with people that are connected to the team and people around the team, and you know, from what I understand, Rodon came into the league and. People around Rodon, without naming names, were saying, you know, in six years, we're going to the Yankees for 250 million bucks. That they were just assuming that this guy was going to be a star. So that's red flag number one for me. Uh huh. Red, red flag number two is everybody says, and, you know, his social media confirms it, that this is a guy spending his off seasons, you know, drinking beer and hunting. <laughs> and you know those are those are they exist it works for some people sure. but you know when when you're a guy that put up a 519 in 34 innings last year <laughs> and then blew your elbow out yeah you know it, it that's not going to fly maybe you, know? you should right <laughs> if if he were the type that really you know when when has he shown us you know anything the occasional start here or there where he's really filthy. Uh-huh. But, you know, I mean, you're talking about a guy that has, you know, 12 starts in 17, 20 starts in 18, seven starts last year. And I can't think of a time where he had that sort of signature win. Like you have Giolito shutting out the Astros in Houston last year. Where is that kind of win for him? It's just not there in now five full seasons and full, you know, granted his injuries, but, you know, service time considerations wise, five full seasons. Yeah. I mean, the only real, the only game for Carlos Rodon that really sticks out in my memory is of any, of any relevance is uh, last year against Cleveland uh, in Cleveland. It was a day game and he it was earlier in the season and he was matched up against Kluber and he had, he was stringing together, a few good starts, and he was he was looking good and and healthy, and he was really using both of those sliders really well against that Cleveland lineup. And uh, the Sox ended up robbing him. Makata hit a huge home run, but like that's a nothing. Who gives a shit? That's a that's a that's that's a meaningless early season game, you know, day game against the Indians. Yep, I remember the start you're talking about. And that's it. That's that's that just speaks to your point that. You know, in in five years, you know, by service time standards, this this guy, all I can, the best I can remember from this guy is a meaningless day game against Cleveland. Yeah, and you know, and he's he's got the the stuff to be a guy who transitions into the bullpen and has success. I mean, we we mentioned Andrew Miller; he's got that fastball slider combination. Um, you know, like. The story with him, like so many other starters, is his control is spotty. And, you know, five years in, coming off of Tommy John, that's not going to get a ton better. Um, you know, I, I just think the book is written on Rodon as a starter, and it sucks. Um, and I, I think that the opportunity for him to transition into that swing role could really squeeze some value out of him. And, you know, maybe he plays that role for us next year, or maybe we flip him. But either way, I, you know, I, I, like I said, I want off the Carlos Rodon as a starter ride. I'm Me done too. with that. 
you know, as I'm sitting here thinking as we're talking about it, and, and really this, this, you know, the elimination of the loogie and, you know, with the implementation of the three batter rule in, in terms of bullpen usage now might also really play in the favor of that move being, you know, a good one for both sides because it could make Rodon spot, you know, he's he can come into the game and, and pitch because we can't, we can't really – managers can't really dissect – lineups the way they want to anymore that I think that three batter rule whether you love it or hate it is going to change the way that managers deploy especially for a guy like Ricky who loves the the one batter loves it loves it so this is really going to have a drastic impact on the way that Renteria and managers like him uh, deploy their their bullpen arms and they're going to have to think about you know putting guys in middle inning to late inning roles that can get more batters out, you know, that aren't just limited to one quality, to one type of hitter. Yeah, no, I think I think we're in agreement that it would be sort of the perfect role for him to slide into. Um, one thing I want to talk about, and I mentioned this a little earlier, what are what are your thoughts on the Yasiel Puig? <laughs> Um, you know, hold on. Before we, before we, I got a few things to say about Yasiel Puig, and I'm sure you do too. But I wanted to circle back for a minute because I, I, in the in the in the sake of full transparency and consistency, which is what we like to do here, we like to take a uh, a transparent, consistent approach. Some have called it calm versus you know the the regular psychotic demeanor of most of White Sox Twitter. I, I have to eat my crow. Um, regarding Dallas Keuchel because I admittedly was, you know, not a big proponent of the Dallas Keuchel signing at the beginning of the offseason, especially when the we were hot and heavy with Zach Wheeler. Um, and I think it was more because we were hot and heavy with Zach Wheeler and he was clearly a better option long term uh, that I kind of was not – I just wasn't interested at all in the, the Tier 2, Tier 3 guys. But – um, as time has went on and, and I've given, you know, I've gotten over that and, and looked more into Keuchel, I'm eating my crow here. I'm now all on the Keuchel move. I've changed my, my opinion or my approach. So, because I, I know I got called out on it. It's a, or fa- I, falsely, somebody called me out on Twitter a couple weeks ago. They they're like, oh, you know, you change your mind all the time. And I said, I don't, you know, in the particular conversation, I think it was about... Uh, it was about the pitchers. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. This has been my stance all along. So now that I'm going to actually publicly change my stance, I have to admit, sorry, Dallas, <laughs> you're great. But it, go ahead. I think when actually, if we're going back to that particular podcast, um, where I actually said, I, I thought Wheeler was going to go to the Phillies. Um, yeah, and I was, I was, I was close on the money. Um, but give me, Four years of Dallas Keuchel at what we get him at forty eight. Yeah, give me 50, four years. Fifty five. Dal- five. Fifty five. Um, give me, give me that over five years of Zach Wheeler at one hundred twenty million. Ooh man. <clears throat> See, I don't know if I could go that far to the to, on that side of the spectrum, but I think we got Keuchel undervalued. I think his market value was around twenty to twenty-two million a year, and if we got him for three for fifty-five, I think we that was a steal. So, 
I'll agree in that sense. I'll say, yeah, we got we got much more bang for the buck for a shorter would, time period with that signing. I would wager that Keiko will have a similar season to Wheeler next year, assuming they both make you know thirty starts. Right. Um, I would wager their numbers are going to be pretty similar. I I never got. And, you know, I don't want to be flip-flopping because I wanted Wheeler. But, you know, for me, Wheeler coming into the offseason was like an $80 million guy. And even for me, you know, that's including the, what, you know, the free agent premium, the, the overpay you have to always give. I, I was never huge on the Wheeler train. And, you know, I think that for a team like us, and we've talked about this, you know, if Wheeler doesn't turn into a stud if he doesn't put up the kind of numbers that Lester put up for the Cubs you're locked in to a bad contract and we can't have that so I think at 119 or 120 million you know I I think that I'm I'm almost relieved I know we offered more money but I think you're going to see this year getting similar production from Keuchel and Wheeler. You know, I can't speak two, three years in the future because Wheeler's obviously much younger, but I'm, you know, I, as where we sit today, I'm not mad that we didn't get Wheeler at that number. Yeah. I mean, things have worked out and at least on paper. So I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm just, I'm really happy. We didn't end up getting signed in Madison Bumgarner. That was, that was, that was the one like, Fuck no signing of the winter. I was like, if 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 that was the landmine of the winter, I was like, if we, if they fucking sign Bumgarner, they're gonna blow their financial standing up. It's gonna be a horrible contract. So I'm just glad we dodged that one. Yeah, when did Bumgarner become a 100 million dollar pitcher again? Yeah, again is the key word there because he I used to be a 100 million. You know what I mean? But. Two thousand plus innings on the guy's arm, and he's all the the decline. And I, I couldn't believe the peripherals are horrible. The peripherals, I couldn't believe when you put all that together that people were legitimately. T- that, I mean, he still almost got a hundred million from the Diamondbacks, but the Diamondbacks are notorious for overpaying people to yeah. get him to get him to go play there. Um, so that's you know not. I didn't. Yeah, surprising. I didn't get that shit. All. At all, I don't know. Like really the Diamondbacks are one of those teams where you're like, what, what, what the fuck are they doing? Like, you know, you can't figure yeah. out what they're trying to do over there. And that's sort of them always. They're, you know, they're one of those teams that's always kind of going for it. Yeah, them, the A's, the Rays. You know, them small market teams. They, they're just, they're just always in a state of maybe if things fall, if things work out right. But no, you know, looking at Bumgarner's numbers, 34 starts last year, you know, the guy's 9-9 and with a 3-9 ERA. He's just not the guy he was back in 16 or 15. In a pitcher's park in San Francisco. You know, for him to come, I think Arizona's a, that's a horrible park for him to go to at altitude in in Phoenix to go in that ballpark. That's, oh man. Yeah, and you're and you're also talking about a guy that just had his first healthy season in three years. I mean, yeah, I don't like that contract at all for them, and I totally agree with you. I'm very glad we did not give that out. Yeah, me too. But pivoting back to 
your uh, your Yasiel Puig question to me is um, one year deal. I'm good with it. I don't necessarily think that uh, he's a he's the ideal platoon mate for Mazar in right field. I think their splits are kind of are similar, um, but I think that Puig is a dynamic talent, right? Let's just say that because he's, he's he's almost a story of of talent or potential never reached. Um, but I, it, this seems like such a White Sox thing, right? I mean, how many years has the the name Yasiel Puig been floated? Oh, yeah, he's uh, one of those guys for sure. In, in, in White Sox trade rumors, it's just years, even before the rebuild. Yeah, ever, ever since things started going a little south with him and the Dodgers, he's been a guy that's been linked to the Sox. Yeah, I feel like the front office, for that reason, really just really does – see something in him um i i love the fact that he's a uh polarizing personality and i think that he's gonna make every team that comes into chicago hate coming there that much more and you know that that's always a plus to to get your opponent uncomfortable and and pissed off we but the the one the one concern the only concern i have right because it's one year you figure Ten million dollars at the most, whatever. Uh, it's not it's not making you any worse for the next year. The one concern I do have is what effect he'll have on the clubhouse, if any. You know, this is. Yeah, you know, I I think Tweeg. I would almost say bring him in and, and don't even bother platooning him right away. Um, I would f- be comfortable with him being the everyday right fielder. You know, his his splits are not as dramatic as Mazzara's, where it's like this guy just cannot hit from the same side. Right. Um. You know, I'd be comfortable with him every day, but you know, I'd be I'd be really comfortable having him platoon with Mazzara too, and looking at their splits before we started the show. You know, you're talking. 280 batting average, 25 home runs out of the right field spot. That's as what's probably going to be one of our top two worst offensive positions. That's still damn good production. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I mean, I don't think Puig is anything more than, you know, an, an average player. I mean, he, he just hits for power. Um, it's just whatever. You know, I, I think people are just getting too – too worked up about the whole Puig thing one way or another. It's like, you know what I mean? You give him one, you give him ten million dollars to come here for one year to play right field in some capacity, or maybe cycle around. You know, maybe play left field or center field on a guy's days off. Or, I mean, hell, maybe he starts in center field until Robert comes up. What, whatever. However, they decide to deploy him. Who gives a shit? It's 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 not going to make us any worse. And it's not going to tie us up financially long term, and it's yeah. not, you know. And I don't think he can have, I don't think he can have a negative impact on that clubhouse. I think that the core that they've built, and I think the leadership group that they have with Abreu and even Tim Anderson, um, you know, I don't, I don't, and and Grandal will certainly slide into a leadership role. I am sure. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think uh, Puig could could do anything to that clubhouse that those guys yeah, wouldn't put a kibosh on. And I think he, I think he fits. The the Latin mold we got going. He's another Cuba guy. 
Um, you know, and I think him and Tim Anderson are sort of similar in that agitator role, but that, you know, I, I know there's some stuff going around about Puig maybe not being a great locker room guy, but, you know, like you said, at one year, how, how bad could it be? Right. And he's not the first guy to, you know, have, what is a bad locker room guy? Like, I mean, what has he ever done? I don't, I don't know that he's ever done anything in a locker room that's been detrimental to him. Certainly never stopped the Dodgers from winning. Certainly didn't stop Cleveland from contending for the division for a lot of last year. What has he done to, to, for us to say, oh, man, no way, we can't bring this guy around our young core. He'll, he'll poison him. He'll ruin that locker room. Yeah, Puig gets a bad rap. I, I don't think it's fair. I don't either. I mean, the guy plays with a ton of flair, mm-hmm. I, I guess, for lack of a better word. And sometimes it's a little cringe, you know, it's the middle finger thing round in the bases. That's not necessarily what Major League Baseball would like to uh, their young audience to see. Uh, but... It's an isolated incident, and there's emotion tied into it. And if you can, if you can appreciate, uh, you know, huge bat flips from Tim Anderson because of the emotion that he plays with every day, then I guess I can appreciate Yasiel Puig flipping off uh, somebody <laughs> once in a while. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'd be for it. I, maybe I have to do a little more research into what's gone on in his last stops, but. Sitting here right now, I, I definitely be for it. Yeah, I'm 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 definitely on board. I actually hope they do it. I was talking to my my father um, on Christmas, and uh, he was like, "No, I don't want Puig." And you know, my dad's a little bit of old school, a little bit of new school, new school. So, you know, he's one of those. Um, yeah, Puig might be bad for the clubhouse, or I don't, you know, I don't need that shit around here. And it's. The, the old man yelling at a cloud thing. Like, it's not, that's not, he's not 100% that way, and you know him very well, but like, he still, he still, has, he still reverts back to that sometimes, and, and Puig rubs him the wrong way, but I'm like, <laughs> you know, Dad, it's, why not, right? It's just going to make him better, which, by the way, we also decided we're going, to, me and him and my brother are going in on a uh, 40 game package this year. So, yeah, I actually just bought my 10 game. Con- congratulations. Rick Hahn and the White Sox and you, David, because you guys uh, have done enough to make us spend our money, clearly. Both yes. hosts here are investing in season tickets, uh, and I'm sure we're not the only ones. I'm sure they got plenty of uh, online you know, inquiries for responses from their ticket brokers or ticket agent reps uh, in the last week or two. You know, sort of pivoting off of that just a little bit. Did you see um, Tim Anderson sign with Nike? I did. Did you see that shoe he got? I did. When's the last time the Sox had a guy that was actually marketable like that? Frank Thomas. That was an easy one, but that was a long time ago. How fun is that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it was it was an obvious answer, and that's that's almost speaks to um, speaks exactly to your point. How obvious the answer was. We we don't you don't even have to think about it. You go back to a guy that played. In the 90s, primarily in the 1990s, I know, you know, he was here for, you know, up until the end of 2005, but decades since we've had a marketable star on the south side of Chicago. Yeah, it's, that is very exciting. 
Oh, 100%. I was Everything around the Sox is awesome right now, Pat. We're having a good time. Oh, man, it's awesome. I mean, it's consumed the entire show. I swear to God, we are uh, in action. We actually do talk about all Chicago <laughs> sports. But it's, you know, there ain't much going on anywhere else right now. You know, if you're sitting there listening, you know, like, oh, why are these guys talking about all the Sox? I mean, the Cubs haven't done shit this winter. And the Blackhawks and the Bulls are in shambles. The Bears, the, they've missed the playoffs. Their season's over. There's really nothing cooking in Chicago sports quite like the Chicago White Sox right now. So they're going to consume the news cycle, and they're going to consume the majority of our our podcast for the time being. And God damn, does that feel good to say. Can you, you, yeah. you hear what I just said? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and I, I think if you want to touch on some other sports in the city, I did want to give a little shout-out to Max Struess. That sucks. He tore his ACL. Oh, man. Uh, I, that sucks so bad. I'm a big I, Max Struess fan. Oh, yeah. I really Every, wanted everyone that. Everyone who's watched DePaul games loves Max Struess. Oh, man, I want local kid, Stag High School, uh, DePaul. I think it was Lewis. He was at Lewis University before transferring to DePaul. Yep. Oh, man, I really wanted that to work out for him, especially in Chicago. Um, and he was playing yeah. very well with the Windy City Bulls. In Windy City, yeah. <laughs> So that sucks. Hopefully, you know, good recovery for him, and hopefully he gets another shot. Um, the Brent Seabrook news sucks. That's yeah, Seabs. I mean, that's 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 it. I don't think yep. a guy who's played 15 years in the NHL, who's already shown a ton of decline, is going to be able to overcome. Uh, you three, know, three th- surgeries, three major up. surgeries in you know the course of this coming year uh, recovery time wise I I just don't I can't see it yeah. I can't see him ever ever playing again yeah and that's, so ho- that's ho- sad hopefully he gets the you know the outro that he deserves you know with the one last shift or whatever um, yeah. but you know him and now you got Dehan out for the rest of the year uh, you got Saad missing three weeks I mean this team is Deader than dead. They're a mess, man. Can you believe what happened to our Blackhawks? What? Say that one more time. I was looking at, I was reading something on Twitter that caught my eye. I'm sorry. Say, can you believe what happened to our Blackhawks? They, oh they've devolved into this absolute mess. This, and, you know, that, three years <laughs> it's hard to, it, it, if, if Gar Foreman and John Paxson weren't so atrocious at their job, it would, there, we would actually have a realistic conversation for who, which, Chicago winter sports team is in a worse position right now going forward because it's it's pretty close if you remove your hatred for Gar Foreman and John Paxson. The Blackhawks are fucked. Yep. There's no there's yep. no way around there's no nice way to say it. <laughs> there are so many problems with that roster, their their coach, their front office, Bowman is got to go Colleton should have never been hired. Quinville should have never been fired. They're in salary cap hell. They're they're just dying when it comes to long-term injuries up and down the roster. That team is in trouble. Yeah, maybe we should um, we'll publish this episode with a little poll on Twitter. Who's in the worst shape moving forward? I think so. I think so, but I think it's I think it's gonna it's gonna lean drastically towards the Bulls just because, like I said, it's the the Garform and John Paxson cringe factor is so just so prevalent 
you know, yeah. they, they'll 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 think. But but when you really think about it, when you when you get past that, and you really think about all of the aspects, I think the Blackhawks are in a worse situation moving forward. It might you know, just be because it's so hard in the NHL to to turn it around. There's a larger roster. It's a dip, more difficult roster to construct. The draft is totally different. The salary cap is totally different. It might just be before that reason that they're in a worse spot. But I think the Blackhawks are uh, in the dark, in in for some dark days for longer than the Bulls. Yeah, and I think the the big difference between them is just the the outspokenness of the Bulls leadership really emphasizes the dysfunction going on there. You know, I think if you had you know, Bowman making the number of public appearances that, you know, uh, Paxson makes and, you know, you, everything Boylan says is, is just brutal. So I think if you had that from Colleton, you, the poll would be leaning Blackhawks. Cause I, I agree with you. I think that they are in worse shape and it, it's just sad because Patrick Kane is still as good as ever. And yeah. now we're, we're just going to waste the end of his dominance. I know that's 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 really the, the the crappiest part about this whole thing is Patrick Kane is playing as good as he ever has still, and he's just it's he's not going to win another cup. And because the Blackhawks aren't good anymore, he doesn't get the national love anymore. Did you see NHL on NBC Sports published their their all decade t- yeah. <laughs> top ten or top whatever, and Patrick Kane ends up at 15? 15? He's got three cups and a Hart Trophy in the decade, and he's the only person in the NHL with more points than Sidney Crosby. Fifteen. The leading scorer of the decade, and they cite off ice issues. Hey, off ice issues. <laughs> yeah. You mean the 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 one allegation of sexual misconduct that was that never went anywhere that was that was unfounded? Yeah, it was proven very false. And then when the kid was like twenty one, he got pictured at some parties on a college campus. I mean, you know, who yeah. the hell is making this? But list? that was prior to the start of the decade when he was having those party problems. Uh, you know, you know when he was drinking a lot and he was you know mixed up with with like you know, doing coke and shit like that. You know, those that was those were his early years in the NHL. Yeah, and that, that was that, before the decade was, even started. That was prior to the yeah, before the decade started, so it shouldn't even be relevant. Uh I'm overruling that one. You suck NHL and NBC. They got overruled by everybody. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. They got murdered on Twitter. So that was that was satisfying to me. At least everybody knows that that was BS. Yeah. Most definitely, and I, I'm still too. I can't talk about the Bears right now. They've. I'm too hurt. I need some time to heal uh, before I talk about the mess. Yeah, we'll, over there. we'll have a, a lot of talk about them when the season officially ends. I do want to. I do want to thank them for ruining my fantasy football season, though. Um, <laughs> you know, against the Chiefs, I had I needed ten points to win my fantasy league, and I had Tyreek Hill going against the Bears. Uh, who had nothing to play for, and my opponent had no players left to play. and So essentially all I needed was a touchdown and a couple catches from Tyreek, and the Bears gave up, what, four touchdowns to the Chiefs? All the players not named Tyreek Hill, I end up losing my fantasy football championship by five and a half points. Thank you, 
you can you you just it was the icing on the cake for the Bears for this season. You couldn't even suck right for me to do well. <laughs> I think we'll we'll end this episode just saying never count on the Bears. Never. I have lost a lot of money this year. Don't count on the Bears. <laughs> oh man, Dave, this is a good first uh, first date, right? Oh yeah, went well. There will be a second. Absolutely. Um, leave us leave us your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns on our Twitter page or email secondcityshow at gmail.com or uh, go find the uh, go to our Twitter page and shoot us a text or leave us a voicemail. We'll air your thoughts and concerns out on the next episode. Um, programming note with Dave uh, and I paired up permanently now. We're going to be doing every Thursday night release moving forward and we're going to figure out another day of the week um, real shortly here that we'll have a second episode. So the goal is to have two episodes a week, one being the permanent fixture on Thursdays, Thursday evening release, and the second kind of maybe even being dependent upon how the news cycle goes. You know, we'll just shift and record as, 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 as it warrants. So look out for that. Make sure you subscribe, uh, download, rate, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spot, all of it. Anywhere you can get a podcast, we're there. Go find us, listen to us, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Dave? It's been a pleasure. If you don't know by now, I'm talking about Chi-Town. and taking it out of the air. Lord Stanley's new address is sweet home Chicago. The Chicago Blackhawks have won the Stanley Cup. Maybe we could start again.